The reason I, I'm doing this is because over the last couple of weeks I've been reading through the book of Psalms and uh, three Psalms st- stood out in my mind over this last week. Psalms 98, Psalms 99, and Psalms 100. Uh, as it expresses that as believers in God, and especially in what Christ has done for us, we are supposed to give thanks to God, especially since this is November 1st, and we're starting the GC Thanksgiving stuff online, and because Thanksgiving is just around the corner, and our minds are on giving thanks to God, I figured we should start there. We should start, start with this idea of joyfulness and thanksgiving for what God has done for us. So Psalms 98, 1 through 9, uh, I'm going to actually ask you guys to stand today as we read God's word together. So if you would, wouldn't mind standing up. Psalms 98, 1 through 9 says this. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, and with the lyre and the sound of melody. With a trumpet and the sound of a horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. You may be seated. The reason I really like this song is because it's actually one of the basis for uh, joy to the world. Now, I'm not going to have you guys sing any Christmas songs today uh, because it's not Thanksgiving yet and it's not time for Christmas songs yet. But the fact of the matter is, Joy to the World actually isn't a Christmas song. If you look at the lyrics of the, the hymn, you'll know that it's actually about the Lord returning and what he will do to the earth. Much like this psalm, it leaves us with encouragement that Christ is coming back and that he will renew or that he will judge this world in fairness and that he is its appropriate king. Yet Psalms 98 encourages us, those of us who have a relationship with God, to respond in thanksgiving and joyfulness about our Lord's coming. So I just want to break this passage down a little bit before we move into singing and praising God for what he's done for us. So the first thing we see in this passage here is that the writer of this psalm commands us to sing a new song to God. For what reason? Because he has done marvelous things. Now for the writer of this Psalms, he's probably dwelling on the past things that Yahweh has done for the people of Israel. I mean, if you think about it, usually Psalms is a call call back to God's creation of mankind, to what God has done for the people of Israel through the Exodus, how he's provided for them in the wilderness and their journeys there, how God provided them victories and battles over their enemies going into the land of Canaan. And so the psalmist is actually commanding people, children and adults alike, to sing to God a new song because of all the things that he has done. And then he goes into this next part, explaining really what God has done. The first thing he talks about is God's righteous salvation. He says, with his right arm, or with his right hand and his holy arm, he has worked salvation for himself. 
Or in some of your translations, it will say, God has worked victory for himself. Now, what's really cool is, how many of you guys in here are right-handed? Kids, do you guys know what hand you are? Yeah. Right hand. How many of you guys are left-handed? I had four in the set. Yeah, okay. This proves this factor right. Less than 10% of the world is left-handed. So we are oddballs, those of us who are left-handed like myself. Uh, but in Bible times, the right hand was meant to show a might, a power, or sturdiness. It was really the most useful hand. And so the fact is that God's hand provided salvation for himself. Now, does God really need to save himself? No. So what is the author here trying to really get at? The fact of the matter is that with God's right hand, nothing can undo his plan. He always brings about victory for himself because guess what? Nothing can overthrow God. That's what makes his arm holy, different than anything else. No other God is like the one that we serve and like the one that the author of this Psalms is writing about. No other God can say, well, he has a plan from the very beginning of time to the very end of time that nothing can overthrow this plan, that, that, that it will come true. And see, especially in, the, in this time, Halloween being yesterday, a lot of Christians have this picture and this mentality that, well, Satan and God are on equal playing fields, that Satan is just as powerful as God. The truth of the matter is the Bible makes that very clear that that is absolutely not true. God has ultimate power. Nothing will overthrow his plan. Satan will do everything he can to attack God's plan, but will never, never be victorious. It's what makes God's right arm and his or right hand and his holy arm work salvation for himself. It's sturdy, it's firm, it's mighty. Nothing is going to do or deal away with God's plan. Then we get into this next part here in verse 3. It expresses God's love and faithfulness to the people of Israel. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now, quick question. Did God ever forget about Israel? Does God ever really forget about us? No. So then what does this word remember mean? It's not really uh, meant to recall to mind. It's actually a call to action that God is acting on behalf of his people. In fact, there's a part in Genesis where Noah, it says God remembered Noah and his family. Well, what does that mean? Well, now he's going to act in draining the world. There's a change in the story. It just got flooded. Now God's going to act, and he's going to bring Noah and his family out of the ark. And here it's saying, no, God has remembered Israel. He's acted on Israel's behalf. And the whole world has seen God's salvation. Now, for the kids, you guys... You remember coming out of Egypt, God sent how many plagues on Egypt? Hudson. A little bit more than that. Ten. Thank you. There we go. He sent ten plagues. Now think about this. The people leave Egypt. By the time they get to Canaan, Rahab says to the spies, we've heard about all the things that your God has done. News spread extremely fast. Paul brought that up in one of his sermons a couple weeks ago about how, man, what Israel was doing and what God had done through Israel and for Israel was spreading around the world quickly. Now, this is written probably around the time of David or maybe even after David, after, during some of the time of the kings. The fact of the matter is God has worked more than just the exodus to Israel's salvation. 
He's delivered Israel from battles and from enemies time and time again. In fact, you go through the book of Judges, you can see God's love and faithfulness to his people by delivering them out from their enemies. The problem is, Judges, we also see the disloyalty of the people to to God. But here, the writer of the Psalms is calling us to sing a new song to God for the joy that we have in him because of the marvelous things he's done, not only his righteous salvation and his plan, but also the fact that he loves us, he remembers us, that he acts on our behalf. And in fact, the whole world knows this. The next part here we see is this, a joyful earth in verses 4 through 9. God calls the people in the whole world to rejoice in his coming. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Well, this joyful noise is this, it is a, uh, it's a loud public noise that signals a feeling or future action. Essentially, what the author is calling the people to do is to respond in praise, to encourage the people around them, and to help them to respond in praise as well. It's why he calls them to a joyous song. Now, joy, where does joy start at? Is it, does it start with the words that we use? No, it starts where? In our hearts. And so the joyous action can only take place if we first fully understand what God has done and how he's working within our own lives. And we appropriate that to ourselves. But notice this. He goes on and he says, look, make a joyful sound with a lyre, with the sound of melodies, with trumpets, with the sound of a horn to the king. So here are what these instruments look like. A lyre. It's kind of like a harp guitar type thing. It has a firm body with strings on it. Uh, this is something that David probably would have had access to out in the fields as a shepherd. It's how he probably wrote some of his psalms. The second one is a trumpet. A trumpet is the metal, actually the metal instrument is what he's talking about here in this. Uh, this was used at the temple to praise the Lord. It was also a call for celebration when they used it. And the last one is a horn or a shofar, which is what the word is in Hebrew. Many of you guys have heard about that. That's the ram's horn that they would blow. Now, that ram's horn was usually used for war, but it's that call to action that the writer's focusing on. He's calling the people to use their skills and their abilities to make music to God, to sing about what God has done for them, to inspire other people to do what? Join in praise for what God has done. But then he goes from instruments and people to making music to what? He says, no, 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 it's not just people and music that make, or people and instruments that make the music, the whole of creation is going to respond in praise. So with that, I'm going to, we're going to try this again. <laughs> right? The author uses the sea's roar. You guys have been at the beach, right? Are the waves quiet? Are the oceans quiet? No. They are boisterous. Our praises to God are, sound like the roars of the sea. They are to be loud. They're supposed to be out there so that people know who we are praising. The next one he talks about is the rivers. The rivers clap their hands. Oh, almost had it. <laughs> You guys get the picture. Videos aren't perfect. 
You've all been near a creek. You've heard the creeks run. Nature sings praises to God. And the last one he uses are that the hills sing. If you've ever been up on a hike, you know what this sounds like when you're standing at the top looking over the nice scenery and everything, and you just hear the wind whistle through the clouds and, and through the trees and everything. See, it's the beauty of God's creation that sings praises to its creator when he comes near. That's its appropriate response. It's what creation was created for, right? We were created to glorify God. We were supposed to be in a perfect relationship with him, except for sin has kind of put a kink in that. We needed to be redeemed. But yet, we see here in Psalms, the writer is saying, no, 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 no. Even creation knows to praise its creator, especially when he's coming. So again, we see that the writer says, hey, sing a new song to God. Sing about his righteous salvation. Sing about his love and faithfulness. Oh yeah, by the way, it's not just you. It's the whole earth is going to sing. And about what? Well, that God is coming to judge. He's the best judge. It simply says here, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. We've... uh, over the last couple of weeks, been hearing a lot about judges in the news, haven't we? A lot's been going on with that. We need to understand that God is the only true, perfect, righteous, and fair judge. Human judges are limited in their knowledge and in what they're able to, to weigh as good and evil, good and bad. They, they're flawed because why? They only have limited knowledge and reasoning. God is not limited. He knows what's going on in our hearts and our minds. He knows what's going on in our lives, even in the dark places. It's what makes him the righteous judge, the one that can judge with accuracy, the one who can judge with honesty and fairness, with a proper standard, because he knows all and sees all. And then he's a fair judge. He judges with equity, this uprightness, straightness. You're not going to be able to bribe him. You're not going to be able to say, well, God, if I do this for you, you're going to let me slip on this? No, that's not how it works. He's fair. And the author is calling us to praise God because he is this judge that we desperately need. So there's a number of principles we just want to point out in this passage before we actually go into singing about it. Because why? The author calls us to sing. So first off, God's salvation brings joy, doesn't it? If you're sitting here today and you've experienced God's salvation, and you understand the plan of salvation, what Christ has done for you on the cross, how he bore all of God's wrath, how he bore our sin and our shame on that cross, how he took it upon himself, how his shed blood is what brings us forgiveness and redemption, and how we can have a right relationship with God. That should inspire and bring joy deep, deep down in your soul. Right? It's something that we can cling to because we understand the marvelous thing that God has done. Now, think about this. If the author of this Psalms 98 was here today and he saw all that God has done for us and he had access to all of God's word and he had access to knowing what the whole plan of salvation really was, how many more Psalms do you think he would have written out of the joy of knowing what God has done for him? Now, the fact of the matter is he knew that, well... At the end of this passage, he says, God is coming back. We know God is going to judge. But they didn't understand exactly what the Messiah was going to do. 
Yet here, this is beautiful, he commands us to sing new songs about the joy that we can find within God and his salvation, what he has worked for our benefit. Guys, for us as Christians, for those of us who have a relationship with God, joy is supposed to be a part of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's a characteristic we're supposed to have when God lives within inside of us. It's not something that's supposed to be absent from our life. But Jesus makes it very clear in the parable of the seeds and the sower that some seed falls among weeds. And when the, the seed or the plant is growing up and it's about to bear fruit, the weeds choke it. And Jesus makes it very clear. Some of those weeds are the things of this world. Things of this world can steal your joy. This Tuesday, we'll probably, you will probably be very fearful and anxious, won't you? Waiting for result after results to come in about what's going to happen in our future. The fact of the matter is it's real easy to get sidetracked by the things of this world and allow that to choke out our joy and replace it with fear and, and really just anxiousness that shouldn't be a part of our Christian walk. But when we focus on God, when we focus on what he's done, it should inspire joy and hope into our life. The next thing we learn here is that God does not hide his work of salvation. Praise the Lord about this. He is very open about what he's done for us. He came in the flesh, did he not? And while he was on earth, did he hide the secrets of the kingdom of heaven? No, what did he do? He proclaimed them and preached them to people over and over again. He told you how to get into heaven. He told you what heaven is exactly like, what the people of heaven are like, what God was going to do. He was very upfront with this. And, and let's face the fact, he's preserved his word throughout all of history. So what? For our benefit. So we can know what his plan is. He doesn't hide his work of salvation. In fact, when you even look outside and you look at creation, you can see the complexity of it. And you know that there is a creator who is powerful and order, orderly. And who knows what true beauty is. He doesn't hide himself. He reveals himself to us, and we can be thankful for that. The next one here is that the earth responds in praise to God's working. And if the earth responds in praise to its creator coming near, then should we not also have that same response? And the last one here is that Christ deserves praise as the needed judge. Guys, we need a judge in our life. Sometimes the right and wrong line kind of gets a little fuzzy. And we don't know the right and wrong things to do. And we need God to show us that. And so what happens is that God, in his word and through his spirit in our lives, shows us what's right and wrong and shows us how sinful we are and how desperately we need him to show us the good and the bad in this world. So here's some application for you today as we continue in our worship service. The first thing I want you to do today is to remind yourself of exactly who God is and of your faith in him. If you don't know who God is, let this psalm speak to you. He is the ultimate and rightful king of this world. He is its creator. He is the judge that is coming to judge the good and the evil. He doesn't overlook anything. He sees it all, and he says he will judge it. Revelations 20, 11 through 15 shows shows us a picture of what that judgment exactly is going to be like for those who don't believe in him. It does not end well. I want to encourage you to go and read that for yourselves. But the fact of the matter is, if we do have a relationship with him, remind yourself who is in control and the God that you serve. 
who exactly he is because it should lead you to joy. The next one here, reflect on why we should find joy and praise in God throughout our week. God has done things in your life. He is working in your life. He does not hide himself. There should be things that you see in your life that you say, that's a clear evidence of God working. Thank you, Lord, for that. We should respond in joy and praise. The next one, be enthusiastic about worshiping God. I know a lot of times it's easy for me to slip into an attitude of of kind of begrudging because this is sort of a job to me, right? And I can have a real bad attitude some days. But it's those days that I have to remind myself, no, I'm not coming here to work. I'm coming here to worship. And in fact, for each and every one of us, our day should start off with that choice. Am I going to choose to worship God? Am I going to choose to have the right attitude or not? But here's the thing. I don't want you to be fake about being enthusiastic to worship God or to praise his name. Because it's real easy to plaster on a smile and say, yeah, everything's good. Praise God. That's not what I want. I want you to start deep, deep down in your heart where joy starts at and ask yourself, do I have the right attitude, the right heart toward God today? Is that something I need to change right here, right now? And the last thing here is sing praise to God for what he's done for you in your life. Now, I know many of you guys are going to say, I'm not musical. That's okay. The fact of the matter is Ephesians 5.20, this is the verse we're working on with our toddlers on Wednesday nights. Giving thanks always and for everything to God our Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, part of our lifestyle as Christians, as those of us who have a relationship with God, is meant to be joyful, thankful, and and really have a heart of gratitude, understanding what God has done for us. To let that be a part of our everyday life. But one of the cool things is, I, I remember one of the first sermons I ever listened to Paul preach was on a Psalms, and he said, rejoicing and singing is a natural reaction to God's work in our life. That's always, that's been permanently stamped into my forehead. I'm not sure why, but I always recall that. Because why? We express ourselves that way, in joy and happiness, and that should be a part of our lives. So I'm going to call the worship team back up here. They're going to be leading us in some songs. We're also going to do some Bible reading here and there. But the fact of the matter is, I want you to take time today to think about all the marvelous things that God has done and who he is to you, if you have a relationship with him or not. The Bible makes it very clear. Those of us who do have a relationship understand the sacrifice and the gift of salvation that he has given us. And this psalm also declares that he is the rightful king and the rightful judge of this world. And that we need to rejoice in that. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give you just a few minutes here today to first talk to God, to reflect on your heart and on your life, and to to talk with God to say, hey, I haven't been joyful or not. Joy really hasn't been a part of my life. I've been letting things in this world choke it out. And to get that right with God, to just get your heart set on giving him thanks and joy for what he has done for us as we get ready to go into the next part. Dear Lord, we do thank you for all that is that you have done for us, for your marvelous works of salvation that you have made obviously known to us through sending your own son, Jesus Christ, to come to die on the cross for our sins, to bear our, our, our penalty of death, really, 
to make him the ultimate sacrifice, Lord. And we thank you that not only that you take us out of the slave market of sin and out of poverty, but into riches and into an inheritance of really everything in your kingdom. Lord, you've held nothing back from us if we are in Christ, your son. Lord, I want to pray for those who may not know you, who may not have that relationship with you, who have, may not experience the joy of your salvation yet, that they would come to know that you are the rightful king of this world and that you are its rightful judge and that you will one day judge according to what people have done with your son, Jesus Christ, and that gift of salvation, whether they've turned it away, whether they've ignored it, or whether they've accepted it. Lord, I pray for us as we continue in our service today, as we worship and as we read your word, that we are reminded that you, why you are the great and mighty king, you answer us, you hear us, your people, and you have died specifically for us. And we praise your name for that sacrifice. Help our hearts to be right as we continue to worship you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.